Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Friday, January the 8th of 2021. Along with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, who are joining me today, as always, it is a pleasure and it is an honor for us to uh, that you would take out of your time and join us and fellowship with us in the Word. There's nothing greater that one can do than to come together and eat of this holy bread. We've been speaking uh, prophetically throughout this last year and the beginning of this year, all the things that we have seen, and we want to continue to discuss uh, the Word of God. You know, the fact is that the Word of God is inexhaustible. It's inexhaustible. The more you search it, the more, the more you know, and, and the more it takes you to place it. And and I know God in this hour is revealing things concerning the end of time. I believe that we are living in the end of time in this hour. So we value we value our time together. We don't take lightly these podcasts. These are not just us just talking and rambling things. No, we take these things very serious. And we hope that every time, not sometimes, but every time we come to you, we come to you with the word and a word from the Lord. So prepare your hearts today as we get ready to go into the weekend, not knowing what could happen, always being ready, watching, and praying. Let us study the word of God together. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you uh, to, to, to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the word of God and discuss it together. Well, amen. Uh, we continue our journey into 2021, and we come to the end of the week, and we want to look at uh, Psalm 49 today. There's some interesting things in there that uh, we want to reflect on today, especially as we go forward in the coming days. Really, it's a psalm that deals with um, life, the, the, the aim of life, uh, but ultimately eternity itself. It and, and it really brings out a contrast uh, between <laughs> uh, between those who pursue life uh, as if all there is is here on this planet and those who begin to have a perspective of what is really happening and that there is an eternity that we are headed to. And so basically that's, that's the gist of this psalm uh, where we're at in Psalm 49. I'm going to have a... Uh, a discussion today on these things, and I think we're going to see some really interesting things. But uh, I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy if he wouldn't mind. We'll we'll, we'll just start reading verse uh, one through four, and we'll start our discussion uh, from Psalm 49, a psalm for the sons of Korah. Psalm for the sons of Korah. Psalm 49, verse one through four. In the name of Jesus, we ask the Holy Spirit to open our ears to His wisdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon harp yeah it's an incredible thing he says there to open dark sayings upon the harp 
He's actually talking about things that are difficult, things that are hidden. Uh, and basically, he's addressing a revelation. But he starts here before he gets into it, and, and he declares to the people, um, the sons of Korah, that is, uh, you need to hear this. Uh, and, and that what is being set here, the tone that's being set, really, is for all the inhabitants of the world. And there are no classes here. In other words, there are no social structure that that is not touched by the very thing that he's about to talk about. So that's why he, in verse 2, he goes on to talk about both low and high, rich and poor, together. And then he sets the tone by saying, I'm, a, I'm going to talk to you about wisdom. But And the wisdom that he came to, he reveals to us in verse 3, came from the meditation of his heart. And and really, this is a lost art in the church, really, uh, just on a more pastoral kind of sense here. Um, it's the meditation of the heart. Many times we'll read whole portions of scripture, if you do read the scripture, and we'll just read. But, you know, what we have here is setting the tone for how to unlock and, and take some of the nuggets out of here, which we won't be exhaustive today, but um, it, it requires meditation which means that you come to a place in the scripture and you camp there and you you allow yourself to think it through what's actually happening here so he kind of is telling us what he has come to and what he has just written and what we're about to uh reflect upon our reflections that were given to him as he took the journey of meditation it's interesting that he says he connects a uh, speaking of wisdom to the heart you know, a lot of times we, we want to speak, but we don't have the meditative processes by the Spirit, which brings understanding uh, in order to, to declare what we're going to say. So then he talks about it as a parable. And he it's really interesting to me because in verse 4, he connects it um, or the unlocking. And this is another key he gives us here in verse 4. I will open my dark saying on the harp so there's a worship component here so you have meditation uh, which gives way to understanding which gives way to speaking uh, but then he he reveals how that the deeper component of the revelation of what he's about to reveal has come by worship and what we're going to see in this psalm is he basically comes to an understanding I mean, <laughs> uh, a couple thousand years before uh, the resurrection would occur, he begins to to really reveal to us what was coming. And, and in a larger context, he, he goes all the way to the second coming of the Lord. And, and we'll see that here in a second. But he sets the tone by this in verse 5. Can you read verse 5, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? Very interesting thing that he's, he's beginning to reveal here. First of all, he says, why should I fear in the days of evil? The days of evil that he's referring to uh, can be looked at, of course, in a prophetic sense. But but in the individual sense, what he's referring to there is is as a man ages and he approaches uh, the time that he's going to die. He calls them the days of evil. 
And it's very interesting because we're already really, when he's writing this song, we're already picking up his, some of his thoughts in conclusion. He's already come to the understanding he's about to reveal to us. And, and, and he sets the tone. And that's why when he began in verse one and two, he's addressing the whole world, right? The inhabitants of the world, high and low, rich and poor, everybody. He's talking to everybody, to everybody who's ever been born. And so then now he goes on and tells us in three and four how he came to what he's about to say and that it is a riddle. You know, because the question that every man has when he, <laughs> if he's, you know, when, he, when we age is like, what is life all about? You know, the big why and what is the purpose of life? You know, you have all kinds of competing philosophies as to what life is. I mean, if you're in the Hindus, you know, they teach you that, you know, you have multiple lives, reincarnation, you die, you know, you could come back as an ant or a tree or a cow. That's why in India, they don't, they don't, uh, you got a bunch of starving, skinny people, but they won't, they won't, uh, you know, butcher a cow and, and, and fry up some steaks because <laughs> they're worried it might be Aunt Bessie or something, you know, mm-hmm. Uncle John, you know, he came back as a cow. <laughs> I, I guess there's not too many Johns in India. Uncle Babu, right? It might be Uncle Babu. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's their philosophy, right? Or, or then there's the whole New Age kind of, even hyper-Hinduism, which teaches you that once you die and you reach this place of nirvana, right, you're caught up into this metaphysical energy. So you just become one with the universe. You're part of an electrical field. Or there's the atheist who says, man, this is all there is, right? I mean, it's, you know, you're just, you're just an accident of the universe and you really don't have a purpose, uh, you know, and all this religion stuff, you know, it's just a fool's path and so you might as well get what you can get now. And that's kind of who he begins to address here. It's like, t- this is what the end of life is all about. It's this, this plane of existence. That's what he goes on to, to, uh, to really emphasize but but it's the question that he's dealing with is life and death here and 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 what he's actually talking about is setting <laughs> is 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 you're going to come to an understanding as he did that's what he's attempting to do <clears throat> to clear up the matter so it's something that's common to all men so he's kind of talking in retrospect when he says why should i fear in the days of evil why should I be afraid when, when the evil day comes or, or when, when my life is about to cease as I've known it? And it's very interesting what he goes on to say in verse 5. Why should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heel shall compass me about? <laughs> Literally what he's saying there is that as he gets closer to the grave, when he talks about the iniquity of his heels surrounding him, he begins to... Uh, to fear that he hasn't lived a life good enough. And and if there is another life, right, if there is an afterlife, what he is actually revealing here is that as I get closer to the time of dying, something begins to happen. I begin to be surrounded with all the deeds that I've done all the bad things, all the things I messed up on, the iniquity of my heels begins to surround me. You know, brothers, <laughs> jump in at any time here, but like I, I shared yesterday, I'm a, this year I'm going to turn 60 years old. And you know what's really weird is like the last couple years of my life, I know I'm not an old man, I'm, I'm getting up there though, um, but I 
I've actually begun to remember things, uh, bad things that I did in my youth. I mean, like when I was 10, 11, 12, in my teenage years, things that I had, you know, you're talking 40-something years ago, certain things, mm-hmm. you know, 40, 50 years ago. And and, and they, it's like out of nowhere, like some, you know, weird file just pops into my head and things I had completely, absolutely forgotten come up into my mind. And I've I, I I've actually gone into I've you know practiced the habit of repenting for those sins that I don't even remember. I mean, when I came to Jesus, I confessed my you know please cleanse me of all my sins. But but it's been like I've been being hit with these memories that I didn't even know I still had. And and that's kind of the idea that he's talking about here as the days of evil begin to approach. And the iniquity of my heels begins to surround me. He makes the declaration, I don't need to be afraid of that. I don't have to be afraid. And so that's an intriguing thing he begins to say. Because he's trying to to uh, to lure us into a deeper knowledge. He called it dark sayings. He called it wisdom and, and, and meditation and understanding about this very issue. The issue of life and death, the issue of consciousness itself. Now, he makes a distinction between him and what he's come to understand as he goes into the to the other side of of, of the ledger, so to speak, when he begins to focus on the world. And he says, there are those in verse 6. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy, verse 6? Yeah, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of the riches Keep going, verse 7. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Ah, now he's getting spiritual on us, right? Because he he begins to, to imply that no matter how much money you have, what are you going to uh, give to pay uh, to God, now he brings God in the scenario, right? What can you by any means do to redeem your brother? How much are you going to pay God to uh, to prevent a judgment from coming on your brother or yourself? Because that's why he set the tone. Why do I have to be afraid? Well, I want to know why you're not afraid, right? It's what he's trying to get us to say. <laughs> why aren't you afraid? You're going to stand before God and you got sins surrounding you? And... Uh, and you're not afraid. And then you point us to something that was radical, a redemption or a ransom, and that something is owed to God. But he begins to tell all the inhabitants of the world, you can't pay the price. There's not enough money in the whole world. Any thoughts so far, brothers? That's powerful. Um, We see a... uh... As I'm listening to to King David, you know to uh, David, right? He, yes. He says he's really going through an anxiety in his own life of of you know facing death. He's he's getting older, and um, you know, but that which he's struggling in in his in his own self is what God is using 
to bring about something much deeper or to solve uh, this this dark stain or riddle or, or concerning the question, the why question, right? The the the, the questions of existence of of you know, have I truly walked in God's eternal purpose um, and took advantage of that? You know, he's, he's, he's beginning to be, all these thoughts are coming into his head that we're all thinking about, even now, right? So it's really prophetic in nature. The very uh, questions he's asking about himself are questions that all of mankind are asking. And in particular, on the, during that, that evil day, right? Yes. So it, it's so powerful, and I, and I hope that listeners can really grasp uh, how it was that the meditations of King David were and, and how those, you know, those things that he went through personally as a man yes. only helped to motivate him and to, and to stir in his heart to 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 ask even bigger questions and, and and then the the prophetic revelation of these questions came to him concerning all of us. Yes, which is powerful. That's good. Yeah, and, and, and it's all and, connected. And, oh, yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, you know, whenever I hear words like iniquity, transgression, it all me, it mm. always takes me back to the beginning and the fall of Satan. And something that I've learned is that David understood something from a from a young man. Uh, he understood uh, his sins were not just, um, you know, a fault, right, or something. It was against God. And he was always mindful. And I always like to read what 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 he said in Psalms nineteen, right? When who can understand his errors? He would say, "Cleanse thee, cleanse me, thou me from secret faults." Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, and let them yeah. have not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Mm-hmm. So he learned how to lean on God. He learned how to understand, you know, uh, the what's the word I'm using? The the sins that it was just more than a, a little fault here. You know what I'm saying? A little error here. It's against mm-hmm. God, all connected to the great transgression, you know, yeah. uh, from the beginning. So that, that's what it made me think about when you were talking about that. Yeah, and this is, and this is again, this psalm is written uh, to the sons of Korah. I don't know if you have that heading in your Bible. The rabbis think that the sons of Korah actually wrote the psalm, but I, I lean toward the David camp because it says it's a psalm for them. And that's really, uh, you know, and that's, yeah. that's that's important to note because it also gives us a, a deeper thing. Because remember what David, if if David's the one who wrote this, I think he was. Um, Amen. He's basically trying to bring encouragement to the descendants of the one who withstood Moses. You remember Korah, how he withstood Moses? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And and his sin was so egregious because he led a rebellion, right? And mm-hmm. and the earth opened up and swallowed them. <laughs> they went down into the pit. But but what we know from uh, at least rabbinic literature is that not all the sons of Korah of or relative sons of Korah or his sons 
they decided to break with their father when he was stood against Moses, and they were absorbed into the Levitical priesthood and became uh, musicians within the house of God. They maintained their calling when the when the and so, but yet what David is implying here in verse five is why do I have to be afraid in the days of evil when iniquity of my heels compasses me about? He's referencing um, all the way back generations before trying to bring comfort to these sons of Korah. The heels is very symbolic of what is behind you. Not only our own personal lives, but the history of my family, man. <laughs> so that, that, that's why he goes on and talks about how can you redeem your brother? You know, uh, and, 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 and no matter how much money you have, when, when, why you don't, but you yourself, right? Because the Jews taught, like, you know, under the law, right, that the Lord would visit the iniquity of the, of the fathers under the fourth generation, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this sense of the people that he's writing to that they, religiously speaking, they were fearful because my forefathers had done such egregious things in the house of God and against God's servants. I might, uh, you know, come up under that judgment as well. And so what David is putting forth here, or what the psalm is putting forth here, is such a radical idea. Because it seems to fly in the face of established uh, Levitical law, right, that was commanded. You know, I'll visit the sins of the fathers, in other words. But here he's saying, it doesn't matter. It's an individual thing. That's a radical concept in well-established Judaism to this point under the Mosaic law. So what he's actually revealing and beginning to unlock, that's why he says this dark riddle, right? How does a man survive? How does a man live on? How does a man, especially in light of what we know to this point, he's saying, how is that? And that's why he's so excited. I don't have to be afraid when when I'm getting close to death, he says. That's a radical concept. And and yet he also Mm -hmm. reveals to us that, that your sins will begin to bite at your heels. Everything that you've done as you get closer to the grave He's beginning to reveal a concept of salvation that had not been known in the earth. Go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, no. Just uh, thinking about everything uh, you're saying right now, speaking to my spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's, he's, that's why he's so, he says, look, in verse 3, right, he says, I'm going to show you some wisdom. Now, what do we know? We always have to look for Jesus, right? So when when the Bible tells us that in Christ are hidden uh, all the treasures of what of wisdom and knowledge. So when he says, my mouth is going to speak of wisdom, that's code for people who understand biblical interpretation. He's talking about Jesus here. He's setting the tone. And, and he's revealing to us who have the complete scriptures <laughs> that the whole, the whole thing that's being revealed here is, is a riddle, a parable that was hidden and that, it was through the the playing of worship that he he describes that the riddle was this is such a deep thing to me really you know I wasn't going to go here but but that the riddle was unlocked for him he's playing his harp and worshiping God is what he's saying and 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 he's going to tell us a story a parable he's going to liken it to certain things 
but he says that the combination of this deep worship, which crossed me into deep meditation, I came to an understanding, and now I can speak about Jesus or speak wisdom, right? And this is what I've learned, is what he says. And, and isn't it interesting how many times you'll see in the scripture uh, foreshadows of Christ when it comes to worship music and, and, and praise and worship? That's one of the reasons, brothers and sisters, when we talk about praise and worship and we talk about true uh, worship of God in song, in singing, you know, uh, that it's so vital, the kind of music that we listen to. I've fallen out right. with some great, great brothers over this, as you guys know, right? But, uh, but uh, I told a brother one time, he says, oh, I don't care, you know, if it's this kind of style or that kind of style, the words aren't important. It's how it makes me feel. And I said, that's not right, brother. And this brother has led congregations all over the world to millions of people. And I told him, I said, that ain't right. He goes, God don't care about all that. I said, if God didn't care about it, then he wouldn't have put 150 songs, we call them psalms, right in the center of his Bible if it wasn't important. So we need to be very careful is my point, right? So David is, is saying here, uh, I will open my dark sayings upon the harp. So there's a worship component into understanding the deeper levels of what he's about to say. And what he said here is, why do I have to fear? I learned something. Something was unlocked to me. And then he uses the phrase, the heel, uh, the iniquity of my heel. He actually reveals something really interesting there. When you're young, you don't really reflect on these things too much. But as you get older and older and you get closer to the <laughs> closer to the grave than you are to the womb, right? It is very much true. The assessment. And, and, and listen to this. And I don't want to go too fast through here. But the description he uses of the iniquity of my heel. It, it 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 has this idea of the accuser of the brethren, you know, like he's nipping at you, he's biting at you, and what he's trying to get you to do is to be afraid that you haven't been good enough or done enough. The issue here is what he goes on to reveal in verse seven is what can you actually pay? That's 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 the uh, conclusion he came to was what could I actually pay if I was the richest guy on the face of the earth? I couldn't even you know, ransom my brother out of hell. That's what he's basically saying. I came to the conclusion, and maybe this is where Jesus got part of what he said to us, right? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Mm -hmm. What if you mm -hmm. gain the whole world, right? <laughs> but you lose your soul. Um, right. That's kind of what David, that's kind of what the psalmist is saying. Go ahead, brother. There's another component too, as, as I think it's uh, we should uh, bring out too, where it says which in verse four, I will open my dark sayings upon the heart. You were speaking about the component of worship there. And, and I think also what David is trying to tell us there, he's pointing us to the whole Psalms as a whole, that there are hidden yes. prophecies in the Psalms that yeah. perhaps have never been seen before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he, 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 he's telling us, look, in the Psalms, you know, the reference of the harp is also a reference to the Psalms, the, the book of Psalms as a whole, that there are hidden prophecies within dark sayings. That, that's what they are. There are dark sayings within uh, uh, the book of Psalms. Riddles, yes. Yeah. So just harping again what you already just said, but, you know, that's something 
it's a clue that we're to to the listener to us that within psalms is not just these feel good psalms poetic no there are dark things there are riddles there's prophecy hidden within the heart the psalms yes and again when you talk about worship um that's what we're talking about here is worship and yes and what happens when you worship true worship of the lord there's a worship and a presence of god that comes uh in your own private worship with god you throw on some some truly godly and anointed music, your whole room will be filled with the presence of God. And and your spirit responds and becomes really a, uh, almost like an antenna that picks up the, the voice or the signal, if you will, of the presence and the spirit of Almighty God. It's in that climate that David says here that I received what I'm writing and I want to share it with you. It took him immediately into the thought processes of eternal things. And in the presence yes. of God, that's exactly what happened. It's amazing how many times over the years I would go into a service somewhere and, and you know, as soon as I hit the door, the people are worshiping. How that everything, the cares of my life of that day or whatever burden I might have been carrying instantly would leave me in the presence of the Lord. And so there, there is a, 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 an integral part of, of access to hidden divine God knowledge, so to speak, Christ knowledge, Jesus Christ, not some newer, new age philosophy here I'm talking about, but, but Christ Jesus himself. It is the spirit that reveals Jesus to us. Now, David is saying in the, in, in the presence of worship, I gained this kind of understanding. And so it is. It is. It is an incredible thing that he says here that the worship unlocked uh, what he was writing here, and where it took him was the basic issue of every human that's ever lived: uh, the the issue of life and death and the meaning of life. In that, he came to the conclusion that there is a God, because he takes us right to, you know, that we owe him something, and what we owe him is is our life. But in order to be with him, he, he begins to set the tone that that a life has to be redeemed and that redemption will never come by way of the amassing of fame, fortune, or even the family name. That's kind of what he's trying to encourage the sons of Korah with, is which where we started. None of that. No pedigree, no royal house. He goes on to talk about how the royalty of the world thinks that that's how they carry on for eternity. They're, they're satisfied merely that their name carries on. It's such a bleak existence if you think about it, or even it reveals the ego of rejection of God, because that's really what he, he's talking about here. He separates the poor from the rich in this sense that when he talks about the rich, he, he says they, the elite, think that they carry on by uh, the mere fact that they've amassed such a great estate. That's what he goes on to say in verse uh, 11. Can you read verse 11, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their land after their own name. Hmm. Yeah, and so that's basically what he's saying. How they view eternity is leaving a legacy. You know, the best they can hope for is that 
you know, the, the, the House of Windsor will carry on for thousands of years, you know, and, and they go to the grave and, and they cease to exist. And, and they're content with that. And, and it's quite amazing because he says that, that their way is folly. In verse 12, he says, nevertheless, man being in honor, he doesn't abide. He's going to die just like a beast. He'll die just like a common animal. His soul will return to the earth. As he begins to go on here, he, he opens up something to us that's quite extraordinary because he's trying to, he'll go on to reveal that what we are attempting to do, what God has done and will do is free us from material existence and that it takes the wrenching away of the soul from material existence in order to enter into the honor and 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 precious uh, existence in the presence of Almighty God, and so He's taking us into the heavenly realm, and He lays that out here. He says that that a man being in honor, he doesn't abide. He's like the beast that will perish. These men that think that that they're honorable and that they're going to endure forever, and the whole pursuit of life is to gain as much stuff as you can and to become this you know, this incredible, you know, megalomaniac, right? You own everything. The uh, the Jeff Bezos of the world, you know, the the, <laughs> the big oligarchs, as they call them nowadays, you know, the, the tycoons and captains of industry, you know, the royal houses of Europe, whatever. All of them think that their posterity is their, is their eternity. But he mm-hmm. says, what a foolish thought that is. Yeah. He goes on in verse, th- in verse 13, he says what, Brother Jeremy? Verse 13 says, this their way is their folly, yet their posterity approves their their sayings, Selah. Yeah, of course their posterity approves their sayings, because they get to inherit all their money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what he's saying. He goes, yeah, Dad, we'll carry on the old name, you know, just hand over your checkbook. (laughs) That's basically what he's saying. He says... And then when he says Salah, he says, now think about that, because that's really what the word Salah means. You know? He says, stop right. right here and think about that. Go ahead, brother. What were you going to say? Ecclesiastic tells us, he, he, the, the, uh, Solomon has something to say about that in chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. So that was that was the the the, the Solomon's response to that. You know, everything yeah. is vanity. All your labor, you know, your generation will come and pass. And that's a really, I mean, it seems so obvious, right, when we think about it, but it isn't. You know, we it, we live our lives it, it, it caught up in so many things that consume our time, our thoughts, our energy, our emotional state. You know, and and life is life. I get it, right? But but the approach to life at such a at a higher level of development in the spirit, and it's a gradual thing. You know, we're meant to to progressively, like Fernando was talking about before we came onto the program today, uh, what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach for those things that are before me, and then I press toward the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. It, it's 
it's a progressive development where you you're detaching from this world you're in the world but not of the world right and and so he goes on to say here uh concerning rich and poor high and low alike apart from god in verse 14 uh he says that they are like sheep this is really intense right they're like sheep that are laid in the grave and what he means by that is a sheep you know like the bible in the whenever you know you shear a sheep or or a sheep goes to the slaughter they're always silent other than what is what he's going to say they've been saying this stuff all their life how they're going to carry on they name their lands after they do blah 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 blah. he goes but when when the their time of the grave comes he says they won't even be able to open their mouth and their lot because they spent their energy and their and their drive here in this temporary you know passing through life that we live they they consume themselves in the things of the temporary and when it comes to it uh their their lot is to be put in their grave and they won't be able to say a word and he says and then their ultimate destiny is to have death Eating on them—that's incredible. However, what does he say after that? The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. <clears throat> incredible. He's predicting the final and last day now, right? He says the upright will have dominion over them when in the morning. What morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. He's, he's prophesying the second coming of the Lord, right? Some because that that's morning. what. Paul, yes. Yeah. Amen. And his life is over, right? All flowers. <laughs> that's what he's talking about. <clears throat> and so what he's actually doing is he's now elevating. The classes, right? He's talking about a heavenly structure here. He's saying these guys have spent all their lives doing this. Even the rich and poor alike, they they're, they're, they spent their energy in, in these ways. And the whole time, he says, uh, it will end in futility. It'll end in silence. And the best that they can hope for is death will feed on them. But now he begins to distinguish the upright and that dominion is coming over everything on resurrection morning. That's really what he's talking about, in the morning. He says, anything that appeared to be beautiful about them will be consumed away. Then, then he says this in verse 15. What does he say, Brother Adam? But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Silah. He's preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. See, he, he started out talking about none of them by any means can redeem their brother. He's basically saying no man can pay the price for another man's soul. Or can he? Remember, he said, I'm going to talk to you about what wisdom. And wisdom is a who, not a, not a thing or an adjective or a personality trait. Wisdom is Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so he reveals in verse 15 the most incredible thing. 
I don't have to be afraid. Remember what he was talking about? I don't have to be afraid when the evil day is coming, when my day approaches, when I'm going to die. Or when the devil's biting at my heels, reminding me of all the bad things I did or, or our family did or whatever, right? Now, I don't have to be afraid because I learned something, he said. There's coming a resurrection. And that, that this life is all about getting to that moment. And that, and that my soul, listen, what he says in verse 15, it's God himself that's going to pay the price for it. God will redeem my soul. It's incredible. Because, again, remember, in, in, in the more plain sense of who he's writing to, he's writing to generations of people who have a horrible family name, Korah. He withstood Moses. My God, you know, he was swallowed up in the wilderness. He fell into the pit. That's your, that's your daddy, right? That's your great-grandpappy, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But what he's telling them and, and giving encouragement to is all men are equal in the sight of God. And each individual will have to give an account for his own life. That's what Paul talked about. But I want you to take hope, he says, because you're not going to be dependent on your old man or your great-grandfather, your great-great-great-great-granddaddy back then or what he did to legitimize your access into eternity. As a matter of fact, it has disqualified you. But you have a greater father than this, he said. And his name is God. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to redeem my soul, he said, from the power of the grave. And he's going to receive me. See, the Bible, this is so radical because the Bible teaches us that for the, for the saint of God to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. But the, it's not that way with the wicked. Jesus gave that parable in Luke chapter 16, where he contrasted the rich man with Lazarus, remember? And he said uh, right. that when when the rich man died, he, he lifted up his eyes in hell, right? But Lazarus was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. That's what we see here. An incredible revelation. <laughs> you know, almost 2,000 years before Christ walked the earth, before it was ever written, God so loved the world that he gave. Here we have a revelation of the resurrection waiting for the Son of Man to read it himself, right? Because he himself would be risen from the grave. In the morning, he took dominion. Oh, man, how deep can we go, right? I mean, in the morning, verse 14, he says, the upright will have dominion over them. Who's the upright? Jesus. <laughs> He's the only righteous yeah. one, right? He's going to have a, he owns the planet. That's why in the morning, what morning? The third day, right? Resurrection morning. You know, when he rose, he took dominion over everything, praise God. And now he's God and he's going to redeem my soul and he will not allow the power of the grave to take me like he does the wicked. He's going to receive me. In other words, what he's revealing there is he's opened the portal, so to speak. As soon as you die, like Paul said, you're in the presence of Almighty God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. So he says, don't be afraid when someone's made rich or when the glory of his house is increased. When he dies, he shall carry nothing away. And his glory will not. Notice where his glory goes. In other words, he, what does he say, Brother Jeremy, in verse 17? When he dies, what happens? He says, when he, when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. 
His glory shall not descend after him. Descend. Right? Notice he doesn't say ascend. He doesn't go up. He goes down. Mm. And he says everything he's spending his life doing, rejecting, you know, God and God trying to reach him and all that. And no matter how big and bad he thought he was, he says as soon as he dies, all that he had up here on top, it ain't going with him. He goes down. We go up. Praise God. So though while he lived, he blessed his soul. And men will praise thee when you do well for yourself. He's basically contrasting, you want God's praises or you want men's praises? He says, because what men's praises will end up doing is, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. My God. That's what some of the scholars, the early church fathers used to write about in what Peter was talking about, uh, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? In outer darkness, absolute separation from the light, absolute, complete uh, cutting off from the presence of God. Man that is in honor and does not understand is like the beast that perishes. It's such an amazing thing that, that the psalmist revealed here. He revealed resurrection morning he revealed because of that if you would receive that and that's what he's telling the sons of Korah right you don't have to worry about your old father in many ways it's kind of a, a euphemism or a metaphor for, for Adam right the father who was before us his original sin God was going to make a way he said God will redeem my soul 2,000 years ago he did it Right? On Calvary. He paid the yes. price. And, and in the morning, he got up and took dominion over everything. And so he redeemed my soul. And the power of the grave does not hold the child of God. God receives your soul. That's your sentient being. Your consciousness, your mind, your will, your emotions. Everything that makes you up, that, that you feel, he says, the Lord's done that. And that's comforting. Whether we live, whether we die, we are in his presence. And this joy, the child of God knows. Praise God. Psalm 49, dark sayings upon my heart. A blessing to me. Any thoughts, brother? Amen. Um, <laughs> I think you probably scratched the surface, right? There's so much there. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about, <laughs> I'm thinking that uh, uh, he, how he wrote to the sons of Korah, um, yes. they they are in essence, uh, but but he also speaks to all the inhabitants of the earth as he's yes. writing to them. So it is a, it is an issue that uh, encompasses everyone, not just the sons of Korah, but it's key to understand yes. why he mentioned the sons of Korah because they are children of a rebellion. Yes, that took place uh, when their father, you know, rebelled and and try to usurp authority over Moses. And why is that so key? Because that's what took place in essence, whether we realize it or not, in the Garden of Eden. Right? Right. It, it, and 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 beyond that. So the rebellion of Korah is is a picture, is a type and shadow. It's something that is being dramatized of something that happened before uh, you know, God created uh man and woman. Well, he created this yes. planet, 
we're talking about a rebellion that took place before the, uh, the creation of the world. That is when Lucifer, type of Korah, yes. rebelled in heaven. Yeah, right? God. And that's why, and that's yeah, and that's why we have this anxiety of death because death came into this earth through Adam. Yes. Right. Sin came into this earth, entered through Adam. The Bible says, I believe Romans five. Right. And, and, and now this is the wonder, right? We're all eventually going to die. And this, this, this anxiety, the insecurities we have, um, you know, and, and, and thinking that money can solve everything. Isn't that the thought of people today? Yes. In the middle of this pandemic, if I just had the money to survive it, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that's exactly what we're seeing with all these stimulus uh, packages that, that, that you know that 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 the government is giving now. Who's getting rich? The rich, the elite. Yes. They think their their houses will live forever, but the Bible tells us they won't. You know. So as a believer, you know, <laughs> you know, there's. We, I mean, we don't have to wait till we're older, and, and to have this anxiety. Many people are feeling the anxiety with this pandemic. Am I going to yes. die? Mm-hmm. Right, that's good. It's an yeah. evil day. It's an evil day that's come to us. You know, everybody's panicking. Everybody has anxiety. You know, if I yes. just was a millionaire, if I just had enough, you know, if I, if I had my house paid, if I had this and I had that, I, I'd survive this and, and everything be okay. No, no, this is much deeper. Yes, and, and the psalmist David, King David, is telling us what it's all about. So, so you need to consider and ponder these things and also learn. Because he's also instructing the sons of Korah, who are Levites, how to yes. properly unlock Scripture, how to properly unlock the revelation of the Lord concerning his son Jesus, who was, who is, and is to come. So that's why I say, I mean, we're, we're barely scratching the surface on this particular <laughs> yes. song. But <laughs> it's so so powerful, so powerful, prophetic. and and again, mm-hmm. very prophetic. Yeah. Yes. So one one point you made there, which I found, which was really neat. You took it all the way back to the original rebellion of Lucifer, and then you said it repeated in the days of 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 the original their forefather Korah, when he led a rebellion mm-hmm. against Moses. Uh, it was the same mm-hmm. thing that that happened uh, in eternity past, according to Isaiah, right? That the devil himself Correct. led a rebellion mm-hmm. against God. So what's interesting is that uh, the same thing happened in the wilderness with Korah, and mm-hmm. and it, only a part of his sons went and and stood with Moses, right? Yeah. So, uh, it, it's interesting because the Bible talks about the angels going to side with God, right? When Lucifer. <laughs> and took a third of the angels with him there was there was the angels who didn't rebel and didn't go they they came and stood with god and and uh and then that, that transfers all the way down throughout biblical history and it's interesting because you made me think about uh jude right when we're talking mm-hmm. about sons of, sons of Korah. it's one of the things that's mentioned there right uh, it, uh that he uses three examples there I think one was Korah, one was Balaam, and the other was Cain. But Korah shows up there again. 
uh, much deeper, like he said, for woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward, and they perished in the gangsang of Korah. Incredible. Uh, and, uh, you know, so when you, yeah, when you talk about going deeper and deeper, right? Um, but I really felt like today that people needed encouragement, right? Because of what you just said, there's so much going on. And, you know, even in my own personal life with my wife and children, you know, I can tell you, I don't care how much money a man has or a woman has or whoever, you cannot uh, pay enough money to when death comes calling, right? And I don't care how much money you yeah. have. The, the, the terminating factor is God. And that's that's really what, bottom line, what the psalmist was trying to encourage us there. It's God who determines. And should death come you, uh, to physical body, he's redeemed me and God will receive my soul. Whereas the whereas the rebellious, what, they descend, like your brother mm-hmm. Jeremy read, they descend. Go ahead. No, you always quote that uh, that verse in Hebrews 2, uh, verse 14. You always say, uh, for as much as then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. Yes. And deliver them who through fear of death, that's that's what Psalms 49 is. Uh, it's all about right. it's mm-hmm. fear. It says we're all their lifetime subject to bondage. We know that sin originated with the devil in the angelic ranks of God. Yeah. But notice what the Bible says in Hebrews it goes on and says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. Lord. So they cannot be redeemed. Right. Right? But yes. he took on him the seed of Abraham. He's God. It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. That's what Korah came against. Yes, Remember? the high priest. <laughs> right. And it says, in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And then chapter 3 starts this way. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Moses is a type of Jesus. Yes. Uh, Satan is a type of Korah. Yes. And we see in type and shadow the rebellion playing out in this story, uh, this rebellion that took place in eternity past. And this is who David is now speaking to because the rebellion that started in eternity past came to the garden. Yes. And Adam and Eve sided with the enemy in this rebellion. Everybody that's born from Adam sinned, right, are born in rebellion and enmity against God until Jesus Christ came who redeemed us, right, and adopted to a new family. Yes. So it's so powerful, again. Right. What, 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 uh, and, and so he's, in essence, talking to these redeemed sons of Korah. Yeah. Right? So when, when he speaks there. And how to and properly make- interpret and unlock scripture 
yes. these dark things, the riddles that 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 David spoke about. Yeah, that's excellent. And and <laughs> you were making me think of uh, in that in that sense what Peter said, right? That we've we've been born again into an inheritance that's uh, not corrupted, it's not defiled, and it doesn't fade away, and it's reserved for us in heaven. Uh, through Christ Jesus, so, mm. right, and and that's what you made me think of there because this whole psalm is about inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, and and he he differentiates between true inheritance and the best that your father could have given you from before is is ultimately <laughs> is a, a is a, is a pocket full of money and and then ultimately a, a grave. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> right. It's incredible, man. Wow. Praise God. In many Jeremy. ways, Jesus made, but it, Jesus made that prayer at the end. In many ways, Psalms 49, when he says, I pray not that thou should take them out of this world, but that thou should keep them from the evil one. The yes. evil one. That was the last prayer of Jesus for his disciples. That, you know, uh, he should keep them until the end of time from the evil one. And that's where we find encouragement. We find encouragement because in David, we see the heart of Jesus. David thinking of the of the fallen sons, which you like to say, Brother, Brother Marty, the fallen sons of Adam, right? <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he was encouraging them. Listen, this is what happened. But this is what, what uh, you know, God is the only one who can redeem you. And that's the same thing that, that offers hope to us, you that are listening. doesn't matter where you find yourself at. There's nothing, there's no sin too big. There's no situation too big that God cannot redeem you from. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants you to be free. Be free from all the guilt, from everything, you know, that uh, we inherited, (laughs) Uh, that we inherited, you can now be translated from children of darkness to be children of light. Amen. We pray this uh, week has been a blessing. It's really been a blessing to us, uh, the the places where God has taken us. And I I really believe that this was the word of the Lord today. Psalms 49, it's really a prophetic a prophetic uh, psalm to encourage us. Hallelujah. As David encouraged the sons of Korah, we are to be encouraged too in this hour. We pray the Lord bless you, and we pray the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.